Hello and welcome to Diminishing Returns. It's our first of a two-parter in which we try and take in the entire history of the Godzilla uh, franchise uh, of all sorts of different aspects, including Japanese versions and some American versions. Uh, I've deactivated the doorbell (laughs) because obviously looking at... I can imagine that we're going to get... A couple of uh, guests today. It's just you. I, I think it's because you said Japanese versions. I think you're excited somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we get onto any extra guests, I want to introduce who we've got on the show. Uh, I am Alan. I'm always here. Hello. Over there, also usually here. In fact, every week he's here. Sol. Right. Hello. And Sol, just uh, before we get any further, you are a Godzilla expert. Is that correct? Insofar as I've seen all. 20-something Godzilla films, yeah. Excellent, excellent. And uh, also joining us today is a, a, a pre- pretty much same as me, a Godzilla novice, uh, Gareth Allen. Yes, hello. Yes, a novice. Hello. Where do we start? I guess, uh, Sol, I would I would like to hand over to you. Give us a, give us the uh, origins of Godzilla. Um, Japan got nuked. <laughs> yes. And... Then they made some art out of it, and that was Godzilla, <laughs> <laughs> basically. So, okay, so in the film, in the Godzilla film, the original one was made in 1954 in Japan. Yes. Godzilla. Um, in in that film, Godzilla is a kind of mythical beast from a little island community that they they believe in this thing. Yes. Is there any background to that, or is it a whole new concept? That they brought made up for this. Film. I mean, that that's very in keeping with Japanese mythology. Um, it's very in the spirit of it. I I think they've just made it up for this film, but it's you know drawing upon the sorts of uh, folklore and what have you that Japan has. I think I think most people who haven't seen the original Godzilla always assume it it takes its cues from the later films and that the nuclear bombs and nuclear testing you know, mutate a lizard into a massive monster, but no, it is just they, yeah. they accidentally awaken this ancient beast from the depths of the ocean. Uh, I, I, I think the explanation for that depends on which version of the film you watch as well. I, I don't think I've ever seen the mm-hmm. American re-edit of the original film, which may piss around with that. I've only ever watched the subtitled Japanese film. Do you, do you guys know which version you watched? Yeah, it was the subtitled Japanese one I watched. The one without Raymond Burr. Well, I watched both. Oh. Oh, get you. Um, so I can give you a bit of a comparison later on when we get into yeah, it. Yeah, well, yeah, let's for the for the time being, let's deal with the actual original Japanese version. So they awaken this monster from the depths, who's a kind of a pretty classic kind of Harryhausen dinosaur thing. Except he's not animated using stop start. No, no, I meant, I meant in terms of look. It's got a kind of 1930s yeah. idea of what dinosaurs were, kind of look. Yeah, but this is using... I mean, I don't think this was the first film to do it, but it, it's using a very specific technique that you don't really get outside of the Japanese monster movies. What, you say from... very specific technique? Do you mean a bloke in a rubber suit? Yeah, with miniatures. <laughs> <laughs> it's... You just don't get that elsewhere, do you? It's Japanese monster movies yeah. from the fifties through to about the eighties. It, it is very in. idiosyncratic. Like you, you, you watch it and you, it, it's a little bit laughable at first, but you sort of get used to it. But but yeah, you're right. You don't see that style anywhere else, do you? Yeah, 
I mean, by by the standards of 1950s special effects, I I think these are very impressive. But yeah, yeah, I mean, by modern standards, they are. Some of the shots of Godzilla look fucking hilarious. It's like he's got googly eyes and yeah, <laughs> just this rubbery puppet monster. But I mean, yeah, for for when it was made, I think it's very impressive. I, I think it's, it's more it, impressive it, it, in the first one, perhaps partly because it's maybe because it's black and white, you can't see it quite so well. Um, mm. But, but yeah. you know, it's ten years earlier than the. You would expect the technology to move on through the decades, and it, it really doesn't yeah. much, does it? Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, like like I say, obviously Japan was uh, the victim of a a nuclear bomb in World War Two, and Two? this film, Ooh. yeah, yeah. But it, it, Japan's the only nation that's been nuclear bombed. Um, uh, well, in as an offensive action, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather, plenty than... more been bombed as just uh, hey, let's see if this bomb works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, yeah. not not counting nuclear tests and stuff. Yeah. And I, I think it's really fascinating how it's it's you know affected them <laughs> um, culturally. Yeah. Uh, and this film was about ten years on after that happened, so they're still you know very much feeling the effects of it. There's probably a lot of people listening who haven't seen the original 1954 Godzilla and are aware of Godzilla from its sequels and seeing clips of it. And I I think the original film is quite a um, surprise when you actually watch it because it's it's a lot more serious and and nuanced and muted than i think people would typically expect it's i mean what is it basically there's a a few humans running around trying to do something with a bomb and you know it, it is the human story that the film focuses on but then in the background there's this monster just wandering around, killing people, shooting lasers at them, and they're trying to deal with that. It's very straightforward what you think of when you think of a Godzilla plot. But yeah, they, they've been doing some nuclear testing. It's woken up this beast from the depths of the ocean. And he was designed to look like a mushroom cloud in the original film. Oh, really? uh, we, oh. we know him as a green lizard, but... Um, the original film, obviously being black and white, I think the suit was grey. I think they conceived of him as a grey monster. Uh, it's only in the sequels when they moved to colour that they decided to make him green and a bit more bright and exciting. Well, uh, what about the uh, personal story that comes through in this? Because, you know, there's a bit of a love triangle um, that doesn't really add anything to the story. I, I, I've got to say, I thought that in, in, in broad terms, the acting was pretty terrible. Now, I mean, I don't speak Japanese, so I'm reading the subtitles at the same time as I'm watching it. But but just, it, the acting was pretty shonky, wasn't it? It's always difficult to judge whenever you're watching a foreign film because you don't speak the language. Yeah. It's difficult to get the subtleties of a nuance of performance. Well, it wasn't subtle, was um, it? I think that's the point, you know. it was like It was like watching someone in the... 19th century music hall with all the... It was a very <laughs> dramatic performance. The, yeah, I mean, the the girl, the main girl in it, definitely. There's the scene where the, she's watching the fish tank as it like, destroys all the fish. Oh, God, yeah. And she sort of swoons and goes, Oh, oh my God, the fish are dead! Oh! But yeah, there's a, there's a love triangle between a kind of principal uh, hero guy. Yeah. Uh, the journalist and the, the eyepatch scientist. Yeah, eye patch scientist. Uh, his sort of betrothed, but she's falling in love with her the other gentleman. Her, I th- is it her dad who's like the main scientist yeah. guy? Can we talk about the uh, the magic bullet then? Am I allowed to do yeah. the accent, or is that racist? Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, 
I think we've got a couple of guests who could probably give us information on that. We've got a new, uh, we've got a new comedy character who, who can be, who can check these things for us. <laughs> oh fucking hell, Jesus Christ! Go on then, ding dong. So, I'll get the door. Oh hello, oh it's you again. So, hello, it's it's me. It's it's definitely not racist, Liam Neeson. Hello there, hello lads. Uh, right. I just dropped. I just drop in every now and then to make sure that nobody's saying anything too racist. I understand you're talking about the Godzilla films. Now yeah. this could be problematic, see, because uh, as as we all know, it's fine to do funny accents if as long as the people are white. Uh, but if they're if they're not white, uh, it's very difficult to do the funny accent uh, because that's racist. <laughs> The weapon that they, they use, and I am quoting directly from the film here, is called an Oxygen Destroyer. How is that, Liam? <laughs> oh, I'm, that's definitely not right. In fact, it doesn't <laughs> matter even if it's contextually uh, justified uh, or accurate, it's still racist. I don't even know if I'm Northern Irish or Southern Irish. <laughs> I don't even know what accent I'm doing. So I might even be British. Who knows? <laughs> Anyway, uh, what were we talking about? Well, okay, so the oxygen destroyer. So yeah, the, oxygen they, destroyer. They, this oxygen destroyer, they, he throws this little peanut-sized thing of oxygen destroyer into a fish tank, and yeah. I don't know, all the fish dissolve or something. It's horrifying to this woman, which, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to sound cruel or heartless, but I could live with seeing some fish die. I don't think that would traumatise <laughs> me in quite that, quite that way. Well... We had to get the reaction. We had to understand how the horrifying it was. It caused, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, basically makes a well. The 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 whole point of it is that he's accidentally created this thing that uh, can destroy life very easily. Uh, he's basically like, I can't let this get into the wrong hands. I'm going to destroy everything. He's like Oppenheimer, uh, isn't he? Yes. Uh, so he's he's. And again, the, yeah, the nuclear uh, connection there is pretty obvious. He, he, and so, but then, of course, it's the only hope they have to destroy this unstoppable force. Uh, what is it trying to say? Because because ultimately they do use it, and he uses it, but he destroys all the information on it so that it can never be used again. Uh, he also kills himself uh, because all the work is in his head, of course. So you know he kind of makes the ultimate sacrifice. Is that is that a, is that an anti-nuclear um, commentary then? So saying yes, we have used these weapons, but we should rid the world of them. Yeah, well, that is it because it's definitely saying yes, we use we're using it, and we were right to use it. It's the correct choice. Uh, so I don't know. <laughs> it feels a little bit yeah. messy. I'm not quite sure exactly what it's trying to say. So okay, what else? Anything else for the original Godzilla? Music. Yes. I really like the music, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not normally the sort of. I don't really notice the score very often. That's not really my thing. But there was a few times. I don't know. Maybe it's because the. You know, because it's not in English, so I was paying more attention to the ambient sounds. I don't, I'm not sure. But there were, there were several times where I thought, oh, God, this score is brilliant. It's really b- bouncing me along. You know. Yeah, I, I think for for a film from 1954, I think this has remarkable music. It, it's got the, the main Godzilla theme is is brilliant it's um i think it's become quite iconic but maybe only in japan and cult circles um, can you do it for us so uh it goes oh i see i've only i've got the fucking marching music in my head which isn't the godzilla theme the one that goes <laughs>
like the Godzilla one goes. Excited again, Sol. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it really, it's quite. Um, it, it adds to the sense of just relentless, unstoppable force because it, it just. I yeah, know. I think it's great. I really do. I think the music in this film is a really unsung, <laughs> and and you don't really hear people talk about the music of Godzilla all that often. Um, but I mean, it's definitely. You know, it's made a mark in some capacity. I, I think I've spoken on the show before, but. When I went to see Ready Player One, the the one moment that really worked for me as a nerd in the way that the whole film was meant to, the one little Easter egg that I loved was when Godzilla appeared, and uh, Mecha Godzilla appeared near the end, and then they wove the classic Godzilla theme into the score for a few seconds. <laughs> And I was like, oh my god, they used the original theme. <laughs> no one else is going to appreciate that. <laughs> That's just for me and Alan Silvestri. <laughs> Can I ask you a question about Japan? I don't know anything about Japanese culture particularly, or history. Well, I, I, maybe we should get someone who does in. <laughs> oh <God>. Yeah? <laughs> as a consultant. Yeah? Do you know anyone? Should, you should, know I, should, I, should I give him a call? Yeah, go on. I'll, just, I'll light up the, uh, the, the Japanese bond signal. Just for anyone who, who hasn't heard, doesn't normally listen to the show, we have a regular recurring character called Japanese Bond, who who is um, an incarnation of James Bond, played by Sean Connery, in one of the early Bond films, I can't remember which, in which James Bond goes undercover as a Japanese fisherman in a, a spectacular uh, acting tour. See, when you say it out loud like that, it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lads, I, I show you flair. Japanese Bond there. Uh, hello. Now, Japanese Bond, you are, as we know, a Japanese fisherman. Oh, yes, yes. Um, uh, and uh, in the 60s, uh, no less. Yes. So oh, yes. I wanted to ask... So I want to ask about... Whenever I watch a, a Japanese film from the 50s, usually a, a Yasujiro Otsu film, um, they all live in these little sort of wooden houses with slidey doors, and they sleep on the floor with little crap pillows. Uh, <laughs> now... This is, like, if I saw this in a a sort of a Western idea of Japanese stuff, I'd think it was cliche, but this is actual Japanese film, so I'm assuming it's accurate. But I can never tell, whenever I watch an Otsu film, whether it's set in the 50s, or if it's set in, like, 1820 or something. It's like, there's there's no benchmark for me. Like, I can watch a Western film and see from the technology that they're using, what, like, where it's set, roughly. So is this a cultural thing? Because, obviously... By the time we get to the 80s Godzilla films, it's obvious, you know, it's a very 80s-looking place. Well, it's shit, it's shit in the shitty, isn't it, lads? In the shitty? Hey, I, I don't know about that. Making fun of how I say shitty, lads. Liam Neeson, what do you think of that? 
<laughs> I, I'm not an Irish now, so I hang on. I'm just trying to I'll oh. find the accent. No, I can't oh, all right, Lash. Well, <laughs> I think what you'll find is in Japan, uh, it'll just look the same forever. Doesn't change. <laughs> doesn't change. Is that right? Oh, hey, they still use VHS players. You go outside the shitty. They still use Sony Walkman. Crazy. Is that right? Yeah, in the in the big in the big shitty in the big shitty, it's all robots and flying hotels and shit like that. But <laughs> you step, you go one mile outside the shitty, and it's just it's like the fucking Flintstones. <laughs> people people running round in cars with their feet. So uh, I think you'll find it's it's, uh, it's it's very accurate. Everything you see in these films. Can I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit wary about doing this, but can I make a serious point? <laughs> the, the, I think what you're asking, Alan, is um, about like yeah, historical Japanese culture. I am, ask, I am actually asking culture. a genuine question. Right, Lash, I'll like step out then, because it sounds like you've got this uh, without me. <laughs> okay, feel, free, feel free to give me a call if you need me. <laughs> it's, it's getting a bit too real. There, so we, we talked <laughs> about we talked about the you know the Second World War and the impact that had on Japan. But if you go back another eighteen hundred years, you know there were, it was like a feudal samurai society, and it th- there was these huge changes to Westernize Japan very very quickly. And so I, I think that they're, they're, they're still wrestling with that change as well. Oh, completely. Right. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, it it does feel like lost in time, but it, it's it's largely because we haven't got the cultural touchstones to kind of draw on, and and it, yeah, it's exactly. Also it's like you can, to us, so yeah, you 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 can look at an old film and you can tell sort of where, like an American film, for example, you can tell where it's set based on you know. Oh, he's got a washing machine or or whatever. Yeah. Or it's like got a plastic telephone. You know. We we like. had this similarly. We had this recently, similarly when we did Kung Fu Hustle, uh, which is obviously a Chinese film from Hong Kong. Yeah. And I only realised on the most recent rewatch for this podcast that it seems to be that it's meant to be set in the forties. <laughs> and and you and Calvin were both sort of su- as surprised to hear that as I was because we just kind of all assumed it was set in like fantasy China, <laughs> just not like just, <laughs> that's just what China is always <laughs> stylist, you know, stylized China. Yeah. Well, th- th- perhaps a nice segue into. The influence or the uh, the impact that the original Godzilla film had uh, in the West, because obviously that's why we're talking about it. Otherwise, we wouldn't know about it. There's lots of Japanese films we don't know about. Do you want to tell the story, Sol, of how Godzilla was released in America? Uh, I don't know. It sounds like you'll know better than I do. Okay. So a couple of years after Godzilla was made in 1956, uh, it, it got an American release, but it was heavily re-edited or Americanized, yeah. as they called it at the time. Yeah. And what they... What they did was they introduced an American character played by Raymond Burr. This is about the same time as Rear Window, isn't it? 54 Rear Window. They basically implant him like Forrest Gump style in all these scenes, (laughs) (laughs) except without the technology available to do that. So... It's heavily edited. So, so when you say that, see, I, I've never watched the American version, which I believe is called Godzilla King of the Monsters. King of the Monsters! With an exclamation mark. So when you say he's implanted in these scenes, because my understanding was they shot some new stuff and there were some scenes presumably set in an American government room that were just spliced in. But the way you've described it sounds like mm-hmm. they've added his character to the scenes that already exist. They'll kind of cut to him and they'll say... Yes, that's a good point, but what about this in America? Yes, yes. Well, 
basically, if uh, what you just said there in terms of oh, there's someone set in, a, in an American base and they just splice that in. That's what happens in the 1980s one, which we'll be looking at in a little yes. while. And that's basically what I was expecting to find uh, when I watched Godzilla, King of the Monsters. However, it was a lot more involved than that. I was actually quite surprised by how well it worked. <laughs> it was, <laughs> yeah. Basically, they have Raymond Burr. He's a, a, a journal, American journalist in Japan. He's working for an international newspaper or whatever. He gets caught up in Tokyo, gets smashed up. He does voiceover over some of the things. So at the opening where there's 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 a ship and then there's a big flash of light and they're all running around. So he's he's narrating that and sort of explaining what's happening. Um, almost as if you're watching like newsreel footage kind of thing. And then he's introduced as a character. So like all the scenes where, for example, the politicians are discussing what's happening or he is just there as a journalist and then there's another guy there with him uh, who is his translator and so it just cuts to a shot of them two with a few other extras right against a sort of a, a wall that looks like it might be in the same sort of setting yeah uh, and he'll go oh, oh what are they saying Tomo? and he'll go oh well they're just discussing you know uh, what we should we, what they should do about Godzilla these guys are saying that they should do this these guys are saying they should do this uh, oh and, the, uh, and so that's it and then they'll cut to the footage Actually, from the film, you'll see that. But then all the principal characters are dubbed. So so we can obviously tell what they're saying. Then the only times where it really falls down is when Raymond Burr is called on to interact with one of the actors. Mm. Because for the most part, he's just sort of like, they've come up with a narrative device for him to be there and watching and kind of commenting. Yeah. But then they'll have these odd shots where it's just like him and the scientist talking and they've just found someone who looks a bit like him from behind. And it's just really awkwardly shot. <laughs> uh, so that's that's not good. That's the, But that's the only time it really falls down. But other than that, I thought it was a very nice job of making it work for an American audience. Yeah. Especially in the 50s where it's just like, I mean... No one's just going to go and see a Japanese film subtitled. It obviously found some kind of audience. And it was also, I think I read somewhere, it was it was the first film since the war that had sort of Japanese characters as heroes, you know, rather than, you know, the enemy that they were fighting. Mm. Uh, so from a cultural point of view, this was presenting the Japanese in a, in a different way, yeah. a post-war way. And that Our obviously... new allies in the East. Yes, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, frankly, better than I was expecting it to be. Uh, and we'll we'll sort of come back to that for the 1985 version and mm, we'll discuss yeah. <laughs> relatives. Would you have one rating for both versions of the film or did it make such a significant difference to it? that I gave it a different rating. So should we start by rating the original Japanese Godzilla? Yes, rate it. Let's rate the original Godzilla. Uh, well, I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of the original. I I think it's really quite darkly poetic, sorrowful film born out of a very interesting time in a in a nation's history. Um, I I love it. I think it really taps into something. I think I'll give it a very. Oh, this is hard. I think I'll give it a really good eight out of ten. Okay. I kind of want to give it a nine, but I no, I think it's an eight. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think it's a something of a cultural touchstone now uh, and you see it in that context 
But there are elements to it that are a bit shoddy, <laughs> like the acting and so like that. Mm. I mean, I gave it a solid seven, basically. I, swear. I agree with you that the, the acting is the only thing that I, I... Like, obviously, we talked about the effects. They're not great now, but I think for the time, they were good. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It, the score is fantastic. And it's, you know, it makes you think, doesn't it? It makes you think, that film. <laughs> so I, I really enjoyed it. But, but the acting was pretty bad. So I, I've given it an eight as well. Okay. Fair enough. That's not bad. The American edit. Alan? Well, uh, like I said, it was quite watchable, very watchable, but it does kind of remove the the kind of point of it all. So yeah. it does, it kind of reduces it to what is essentially a monster movie, uh, a monster movie which is fine. Uh, and I, I was genuinely sort of shocked by how well it worked. So I gave it a six. Not bad. Because it still has all those kind of elements, really. Yeah, it is quite shocking how quickly uh when i when i first decided to go through watching these films uh all the godzilla films i thought i was gonna see a slow deterioration into power rangers-esque nonsense uh no it it is immediate (laughs) (laughs) am i right godzilla when it was made was one of the kind of biggest budget films that the japanese I, i believe it was the most expensive japanese film ever made at its time yeah so i guess you can't just keep maintaining that level of uh well i don't know i think i think it was successful it it made its money back you know logic would dictate certainly hollywood logic would dictate that that's when you throw more money at it but i don't think that's the approach they took uh, God no. the, the, so the first sequel godzilla raids again is awful <laughs> it's shit the, it <sighs> is it's everything I think people think of when they think of shitty Godzilla sequels, but it's not even in color, so it's not even like bright and fun. <laughs> it's um, it's it feels cheap. It it's boring. They're obsessed with um, dinosaurs. They just keep going on about when dinosaurs were on Earth and just say, "Oh well, Godzilla's a dinosaur," I guess. There, there's scenes of um, the dawn of of life on Earth with dinosaurs walking around and it's people in the shittest dinosaur costumes ever but they're not even meant to be like gigantic anymore it's not done that way it's just people dressed up as dinosaurs walking around in like a a sort of real size set oh it's shit uh i'm i'm gonna rush through all these sequels until we get up to the next one we've watched which i don't think should be too far so um, but yeah, I, I give Godzilla Raids again three out of ten for for context sake. That's how much of a mm-hmm. drop off there was just immediately, and it, it really just feels like they didn't care. And to be fair, it came out the following year, so I mean they really did just pump these out. Uh, and Toho, who uh, or, or which is the company that makes Godzilla, yeah, I mean they they were just pumping these films out basically. And in 1956, they released Rodan. What's it called? Rodan the the Sky Monster or Rodan the Flying Monster? Depends which, you know. Goes by many names, all these films do. And then in 1961, I haven't seen it, but they released Mothra, which is a film about a giant moth uh, (laughs) in Japan. Is Mothra Mothra connected? We we watched Mothra vs. Godzilla, but is the original Mothra connected to Godzilla at all, or was it just a separate thing? just its own thing, just a new monster movie. Toho were just pumping out these kaiju movies in the 60s, Um, and I think Godzilla is obviously the most successful, the most iconic, the most famous one. Uh, Yeah, Mothra was released in the 60s, and I, I think people always think of characters like Rodan and Mothra being Godzilla villains, 
but they weren't they they were all you know like like what marvel does now they they were all i mean it's close the closest analog would be the uh universal horror they were just making these monster movies and then at some point yeah. they thought oh we we own all these characters why don't we just stick them in a film together yeah. um but i i do think knowing that explains part way why godzilla versus mothra is so fucking insane in places in ways where it just <laughs> yeah. kind of it almost feels like it's just going keep up yeah yeah it, f- it felt a bit like watching you know watching one of those uh infinity war type films without <laughs> watching all the backstory yeah setup films and so then 1962 we got the third godzilla film godzilla versus king kong where uh, i believe we've already covered this film in some capacity on the show but basically they bought the rights to king kong uh from someone who wasn't legally able to sell the rights <laughs> um, <laughs> and they they made this big kind of rock'em sock'em film with king kong changed into a a giant like gigantic ape who consumes lightning and electricity to gain the power of it, it was very odd and again it's not very good um i think i gave that a five out of ten when we did it yeah then the fourth godzilla film was godzilla versus mothra or Mothra versus Godzilla, or Mosura Taegojira. Oh, I love it when you talk <laughs> Japanese, Sol. <laughs> We've seen this one, all three of us, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so when we were deciding which ones to watch, obviously Sol being the expert put some forward and I did a little bit of reading on it. So this was like, this one felt like... It's one of the most iconic, you know. Yeah, I'd heard of Mothra, yeah. and it was like a few sequels in, so this is give us a good example of what they were doing with the sequels, I figured. Yeah. And it, and I think it's a good indication of this period of let's just start crossing over our, our kaiju and doing these big so and so versus so and so films. It's a really s- solid example of those and what they were doing. And you know, I think this is generally regarded as one of the better Godzilla films, believe it or not. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, I didn't know really know what to expect with this, but I certainly didn't expect what I got. <laughs> which was first of all my first thought was like the uh, distinct comedy elements yeah. Uh, yeah to this film oh yeah yeah tonally worlds apart from the first film oh man the guy who was always eating an egg oh did we laugh <laughs> <laughs> i mean tonally the second film is very po-faced but i'd say this comedy element started to come in with king kong versus godzilla this is sort of a continuation of what they were doing there but yeah I suppose you've got on, you really. It's a giant flying fucking moth. You've got to have a bit of a <laughs> about it. But the thing is, though, you know, you think a giant moth, how can that be silly? But it's it's so well realised and, and so scary. <laughs> <laughs> With its hubcap eyes. <laughs> uh, so it, here's a problem. Compared to, say, Godzilla or King Kong, Mothra doesn't seem very dynamic or yeah. scary. Or able to or... do anything. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, speaking of someone who really dislikes moths and their flappiness is like really freaks me out. Uh, didn't get any of that from Mothra because it doesn't move. It doesn't move enough. at its all. Wings like can't much, actually yeah. move. <laughs> These monsters they're brought to life with people in rubber suits, stood yeah. on sets with miniatures. But Mothra being a moth, there isn't someone inside a costume giving it life. It's just being. It's just a big pinata being dangled on a string. <laughs> Yeah. So it, yeah, it, it just doesn't work, does it? <laughs> I just like the general look of the film. It was like that classic, quite nineteen fifties technicolor. Although it was a 60s. well, the first note I've written was, "Oh, it's in color." The second note I've written is, 
fucking hell, it's in colour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, the colour came in with uh, the previous film, actually. King Kong versus Godzilla was the first one where they switched to colour, but obviously we, we didn't see that. But yeah, it's very much the same thing. And, and this colour palette continues for a while. I quite like that, though. It, it has a, it really does put it in a time and place. Yeah, very of its time, yeah, isn't yeah. it? It's almost psychedelic. Yeah, yeah, but I like that, and they seem to play up to it with the multicolored egg, and Mothra's got orange stuff on him, and hit or her maybe. Yeah, um, and Godzilla is is green, bright green instead of grey. Yeah, mm, like the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is all well and good, but can we please talk about the fairies? Yeah, right. I think this is perhaps the most egregious <laughs> holdover from this being a crossover film. Yeah, so this just wasn't explained. That so, I, obviously, these are characters from the original Mothra film. I but, yeah, but I there's this disembodied yeah. singing voice, and then they they find these two miniature fairy twins singing, and it's like, <laughs> oh, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, yeah, the characters well, are just kind of like, oh, a couple of fairies. That's weird. Let's try and catch them. But they do, yeah, they do at least think, oh, we can catch these and make money out of them. So they're obviously. We accept that this is like an unusual thing, but it's not like a like, oh my god, these six inch women, what's going on? But before, here's a question for you. Before the fairies came along, these two guys, the, the guy who's bought the egg, what's the master plan to make money here? It's just an egg. I mean, it's a big egg. <laughs> it's going to go off. But this, this, you're talking about building an amusement park around it. Why do you want to come to Alton Towers? Nah, it's not really my thing. There's a giant fucking egg. Oh, I'm there. <laughs> it was the 60s. They didn't have much in the way of entertainment. If you, if someone had an egg that was like 20 metres long, <laughs> you're telling me you wouldn't go and have a look at it? I am telling you I would not go and look at it. I would <laughs> you not go and look liar. at it if it was the end of my street. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you would. Liar. You liar. You'd go as far afield as Leeds City Centre for a big <laughs> egg, I reckon. <laughs> I do as well. You, I do not. I do not understand go, the financial right. Of the you, I reckon you, you probably ha- you go around Yorkshire Sculpture Park, right? Yeah. Are you telling me you've <laughs> never once gone there and one of the sculptures has just been a big egg? Saul, so, I'm gonna have to stop you there because I think Yorkshire Sculpture Park is bollocks. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I am not the target market for the egg. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I went to the uh, Stan Laurel Museum, so I don't know if I've got. <laughs> <laughs> that is less interesting than an egg, I must admit. Basically, the egg just floats into the ocean uh, for whatever reason. These fishermen get it. They sell it to a sort of P.T. Barnum type. None of that ever really means anything. Or may- it, does lead to to the, anything. it does lead to a terrifically violent scene, doesn't it? I know I'm jumping ahead here, but when they, when they fight at the end... Mm-hmm. He probably, yeah, yeah. probably beats him, like really graphically beats him, and then he gets his gun and shoots him in the head. That, is, that feels very wrong tonally. But then, yeah, and then the other guy shoots him, and then none of that matters because they go. Well, you don't, you don't, you don't punch the shit out of a billionaire, do you? Not even a yen billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> That's almost three thousand pounds. And then, but none of that really matters because then the building gets crashed, smashed by Godzilla, and they all die. It's just none of that's really relevant. The fact that he's trying to build the fishermen out of their money. Never goes anywhere. There's a lot of just nonsense in this film in terms of like, our, ma- our main sort of protagonists here are a journalist, a woman who w- goes around with him who uh, is just a photographer, I think. Yeah. And then uh, a doctor. Yeah. Then we have two little women, <laughs> twins, who are telepathically connected to Mothra, or the egg at least. They're from Monster Island, which is a concept that I don't think has come up yet in this world, but it's just dropped 
just dropped in like we should know. But the island is incredible, isn't it? I mean, the people there, it's like, it's like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, but somehow more racist. <laughs> like, I, I don't really understand the intricacies of Japanese culture enough, but that felt insulting. I did get there and think, is this racist? Oh, well, it is Japanese, so maybe it's okay. Yeah, exactly, exactly, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was very, it was like when I watched Black Panther and I thought, oh, is it okay to fetishize black African culture like this? Oh, the director's black. All right, I, I think it's fine. No, it's then. fine. <laughs> I might, I might be completely wrong, but I think this is the first we hear of Monster Island. So I think perhaps it is an a thing from Mothra. Maybe in the film Mothra, it is referred it's where to Mothra as Mothra lives. Yeah, and, and I think maybe as it's presented in in Mothra. My guess might be that it's kind of a world where everything's massive, because there's certainly an indication of just, you know, normal things being the wrong size, humans being tiny, moths being giant, eggs being massive, there's like a giant turtle when they go there, skeleton. And I think maybe they just subsequently turn that into Monster Island, because they wanted to just say, oh, well, that's where all the monsters come from, it's just easier. They, They asked Mothra to come and help. He says no. He says, Godzilla is reward for your demon flame. Which is a... Uh, I might get that on a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, this is a very kind of uh, subtle nuclear message. Um, it's okay. Where the uh, the islanders uh, live on an island where the nuclear testing was happening or something like that. Is it Mothra herself who says, I'll go and help? Um, well, it seems to be the fairies who are telepathically contacting Mothra. Yeah, uh, telepathically, but they have to they have to sing when they do it though. Oh <laughs> man, the singing! I've got that little Masura thing stuck in my head, and I have for like a week now. I can't get rid of it. <laughs> but yeah, so so they say, well, well where is Mothra? And the fairies say, oh, she's just there. And and like, everyone just turns to the left and there's this giant fucking moth. Oh, there. Oh, that one. Yes, okay. But also, Mothra, Mothra is ready to die, then has to reluctantly use the last of her strength to go and save her egg. She's going to save her egg, and you think it was going to save the, the babies would be a... Kind of like, yeah, of course she's going to do that. But it's not presented like that. It's like, oh, okay, I'll defeat Godzilla for you if that's what I have to do. All right. But Godzilla's going to eat the egg, right? Well, that's not really... Uh, that uh, That appears to be the case. But we're never really sure why. Is it, cause, is it radioactive? I, I, I don't know. I never really figured that out. But yes, Godzilla represents a clear and present danger to Mothra's egg. And hence, fighting ensues. Yeah. Well, you say fighting. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A giant moth puppet being flapped around near a man in a rubber suit. Basically what happens is Mothra sort of does enough to make Godzilla piss off and then dies. But it's the egg hatching and two Mothra larvae come out, which is handy because presumably they're going to have to breed with each other for the species to continue. Yeah. But they, these larvae then, they, go, they chase Godzilla because Godzilla's going to an island where some, a handful of school children are hiding in a cave. He doesn't know they're there and he's just going, he's not going there for them. They're in a cave where he can't get to them, so they're in no real danger. But the larvae chase him because they cannot stand to see injustice done on the island. Yes. <laughs> that was right? a great line. <laughs> 
<laughs> so somehow the larvae have just hatched. They know what's going on exactly. <sighs> anyway, they chase down Godzilla. And at this point, I'm thinking, what What are they going to do to Godzilla? He's just going to stamp on them. Because they're just like these maggot things. But, you know, what happens? Well, firstly, one of the one of the worms bites bites his tail. Yes. And he starts flapping around like me when I've stubbed my toe. And then... He doesn't like... Considering, considering like, people shoot bombs into his face and he just doesn't even blink. He's got a very sensitive tail. <laughs> yeah, yeah but they never, they never think to shoot the tail, do they? <laughs> they never think to shoot the tail. Yeah, he's just had 300,000 volts shot through him and he was all stoic indifference. <laughs> and now he's furious because some worms bitten his tail. <laughs> but that, his tail's the his tail's the weak spot. Like the, what they need to do is build a giant door and then slam it on the tail. <laughs> that's, that's how you defeat him. But they don't think to try that. They, it's the arrogance of man. Having having weakened Godzilla, they the two the two worms gang up on him and start <laughs> jizzing silk out of their mouths. <laughs> But it's, but it's and, like it's like it, laser. Silk, he gets increasingly though. frustrated. I appreciate that this takes time to build up the jizz, but this sequence went on for a long time. Oh, fucking Alec, God, he just kept going. He just stands there as well, doesn't he? It's not like he thinks, "Oh, I better, I better do something about this." He just kind of takes it. But this is already after we've had the Mothra Godzilla fight, and the, basically the film is over. So this is all extra anyway. But basically, they wrap him up in silk, and then he falls over. Is that all? Is that is that? Yeah, one? that's it. And he falls into the water, and see you later. Is he gone? Well, I don't know. He could be dead at the bottom of the sea, or he might have just gone home. We don't know. We can't tell. There's no way of yeah. possibly knowing <laughs> what's under the water over there. Like, is we couldn't possibly look beneath the water. <laughs> To see if he's dead. So, uh, who knows? We talked a lot about how laughable Mothra is, and he is. But I, I actually quite liked a lot of the shots of Godzilla in this film. There was quite I, a lot I of thought... long shots where you had people sort of panicking in the in the foreground and yeah. Godzilla looming in the background. I quite liked that effect. That was good. I thought there was some nice model work as well, yeah. with all the little yeah. buildings and cars and stuff. I like I liked all that stuff. It's quite nice. Yeah, so it's, it's quite a consistent part of this franchise. Really, you get a lot of nice stuff with that. I guess because they that you know that's what this company was doing. Toho, they got good at it. They became world leaders in uh, rubber suit monster special effects. Mm-hmm. Which is particularly noticeable, actually, as you get really far along. Because it, it, it's like when you watch the the latter-day um, Chucky movies and, and the, you know, puppetry is, like, really advanced. And You know the twins who play the little pixie things? Yeah. Apparently they uh, they were a vocal duo. They, they, that's when their principal career. And they were known as the, the Peanuts. <laughs> Just for what it's worth. All right. Really? <laughs> well, I really like them. I, I, I mean, they were sort of ridiculous and laughable, of course. But, but I, I don't know. They were they were sort of sweet. I, I liked them. I mean, they they come back throughout the series. Pretty much whenever Mothra appears, they they come with Mothra. It's like a package. Right. Well, I think this is a pretty dreadful film. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it, it it's just it's just boring. That that's kind of the worst thing about it. There's stuff in it that's really kind of interesting, but then everything just goes on for too long, and, and yeah, it's just dull. And so I give it a three out of ten. I give it a five. I, I don't know. I found it fairly watchable in you know, most way. Yeah, I agree. It wasn't particularly good and quite boring, but there was enough sort of weird, wacky elements to keep my interest. 
perhaps just because it's a, an area of film that I don't know anything about, so it was new to me. But yeah, I gave it a five. Yeah, I kind of, uh, I mean, you know, we talked about the first one being, was it a horror film? This one was a laughable film, but, but <laughs> it did actually make me laugh a few times. I'm not sure if I was supposed to or not, but I quite enjoyed it. But <laughs> I, I've given it a five. I've given it a five, which I think is, is perfectly reasonable because it was terrible. <laughs> Oh, hello. I hope you are enjoying this week's episode about Godzilla. If you want to help support the show, just a reminder that we have a Patreon account now, patreon.com forward slash dim returns, where for as little as $1 a month, you can get access to all sorts of bonus content. Most notably, we, we have just put a full length bonus episode up covering Avengers Endgame, but we also put the minisodes up as often as possible where we where we cover other new releases and things here and there that we've seen early access when available you get a shout out on the show all that sort of stuff so uh head over to patreon.com forward slash dim returns like say avengers endgame hey a whole episode about it yeah back to the show right well I mean that that was we're still in the very early days of Godzilla with this one. Uh, um, I mean, fuck me. Then they they released Monster of Monsters Ghidorah, which uh, is the introduction to King Ghidorah. I don't know if you've ever seen King Ghidorah. You probably have. He's one of the big iconic. He's the three headed guy who fights against Godzilla. Ah, uh, yes. And I mean, yes. I kind of wish we'd watch that one because the special effects used to bring him to life are, are just wonderful. It's like it's like this guy's arms are in two of the necks which are on strings and it, it just looks <laughs> shit it's brilliant and i give that one a three out of ten as well <laughs> then we had invasion of astro monster 1965 uh now i i think this is the first time aliens get involved but aliens are a big part of the godzilla <laughs> franchise as well uh aliens from aliens from planet x request the use of godzilla and rodan to fight King Ghidorah, but then they've got sinister ulterior motives. So this was Godzilla and Rodan and King Ghidorah in the same film. And I give that one a 6 out of 10, actually. So I must have thought that one was a quite an interesting, decent one when I watched it. One of the better ones. Uh, then we got Ebira, Horror of the Deep, which is another combination of, of Godzilla, Mothra, people like that, but fighting a new monster, Ebira, who's... Like a giant lobster. Okay. I'm, as, as you're telling me these names, I'm googling them. Yeah, have you, have you googled them. a beer? Fantastic! Some of these. That that a, a beer. I mean, he is a giant lobster, isn't he? That I is mean. amazing. Uh, and that's not a particularly good film. I gave that one a four out of ten. Then we got uh, Kaiju no Kesen Gojira no Musuko. This one is Son of Godzilla, uh, 1967. So this was the start of the franchise veering into like really over okay these are for kids now territory yeah. godzilla has a baby and it is just like a shitty comedy it, it looks like you know that sitcom dinosaurs <laughs> <laughs> yes uh it's like the the baby in that <laughs> and they're fighting these kind of praying mantis monsters it's not good i give it a three out of ten <laughs> Uh, so the next film, 1968, we're up to now. Operation Monsterland, or Destroy All Monsters, or Monster Invasion, depending on, on which version you pick up. 
basically a, a, a new race of aliens uh, arrive, take control of Earth's monsters to turn them evil and make them attack man. And if memory serves, I think Godzilla is unaffected and basically has to be our savior. And him and Godzuki go and, and fight on our behalf. They're just pumping out shit. I gave that one a five. So I guess I like them more than some of them. Now, the next one, this is an interesting one. I, I I kind of wish I'd got you guys to watch this one. This film is just fucking bizarre. It's like they didn't know what they were doing. They wanted to do something new with the series, but they didn't know how to approach it. It's called Godzilla or Monsters Attack or Godzilla's Revenge or... Uh, Minya, son of Godzilla, actually is in some territories. Uh, that's a point. The Go- Godzuki is sometimes called Minya in in this, but yeah, that's son of Godzilla. Now, this film doesn't make any fucking sense at all. Uh, it's about a little bullied kid at school, and mm-hmm. and he has these weird sort of daydreams about going off to Monster Island, where he befriends Godzuki, who is about the same size as him now, so the size is completely different, uh, and Godzuki is also being bullied by by monsters, <laughs> and, and they have these kind Kindred of comedy... Spirits. So fucking weird. It, it's like a family comedy, it's all set in this little boy's mind, <laughs> and it's, it's like him learning to deal with his bullies, and... and through Godzilla. It's it's so fucking weird. But hey, you know, they tried something new. Uh I give it I give it four out of ten because it doesn't work. But um <laughs> like I say, fair play to them. They um So what does the kid learn then? To stick up for himself, I think. To fight back to use his heat breath to, to fight back. I think pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Godzilla versus Hadora. I kinda wish we'd watch this one as well. This might well be my favourite of the Godzilla sequels. Um, it's the closest they came, I think, to making a good one. Um, oh. <laughs> it, it's a new monster. It's got a clear-cut message. For basically, Earth Earth is so polluted that a new monster, Hedora, the smog monster, emerges. Oh. And it's this kind of weird flying... It looks like a sentient spaceship, and it kind of just flies a lot around, leaving you know smog behind and and more pollution. I gave this quite a, a decent six out of ten. Um, like I say, it's one of the one of the best, if you ask me. But I'm gonna keep keep moving swiftly on because there's a lot of these. War of the Monsters, 1972. Uh, this was another. Let's just throw all the all the monsters together in a big film all at once. Uh, five out of ten. Uh, Godzilla versus Megalon. This is another one I kind of wish we'd watched. Megalon. This is this is infamous for probably being the worst Godzilla film ever made. Mm. Uh, it, the general consensus, I would say, is that it's probably the worst one ever made. I don't know if I'd quite agree with that, but it, it is bad. It's really bad. Um, <laughs> oh, I've just Googled Megalon. I mean, are you aware of Mystery Science Theater? Yes. Yeah. This is the Godzilla film they chose to do on Mystery Science Theater. It was deemed worthy of that show. It was so bad. So in this one, the undersea nation of Seatopia sends uh, Megalon, a new monster, out to destroy the above world. Godzilla is in pure good guy mode in this one. He, he turns up to help save the day. But so does the robot created by our human characters, Jet Jaguar. Oh my, I, I've got a, I've got an image of Jet Jaguar. <laughs> yeah. This is the best thing Jet, I've ever seen. Jet Jaguar has... <laughs> has his own theme tune, which is something to behold. Jet Jaguar, Jet Jaguar, Yatta 
de Tiaga And there's a point in the film, and I don't know, maybe maybe this was down to translation issues, but Jet Jaguar goes from human size to Godzilla size, and the characters go, how do you do that? And the guy says, well, I, I taught him to program himself, I guess he programmed himself to be bigger. <laughs> Godzilla can fly in this film, just dropped in <laughs> in like the last 10 minutes. There's a point where he just take he like looks at the bad guy and just flies at him, just lifts off the ground and like <laughs> never explained. It, it, it this is a this is shite. <laughs> it's awful. Um I so I give this one a three out of ten, but it's it's almost in that so bad it's good territory, that one. It's it's <laughs> just absolute nonsense. Uh, then we get to 74, and this is Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, which was one of the ones I suggested as a potential one for us to watch. Because um, right, yeah. Godzilla is such uh, an iconic part of, of you know, the, the Godzilla rogues gallery. Um, mm-hmm. I had a Mechagodzilla toy when I was a kid that I think I got from a pound shop when I was at the seaside, and I thought it was great. Um, so I'm obviously aware of Mechagodzilla, but what, what's the backstory? Is that humans have made him to fight Godzilla? What's the how did that come about? Uh, it, it, it varies from film to film, but yeah, I think generally it is. Um, well, well, so in in the first one, there are ape-like aliens. They're basically, I think, Planet of the Apes have probably just come to Japan. There are yeah. there are aliens that arrive that just look like people wearing gorilla suits, uh, or not gorilla suits, gorilla heads and space clothes, like silvery <laughs> clothing, and they build a robot Godzilla to attack Earth with. Um, so then, obviously, Earth is like, well, we've got the real the real Godzilla. So that's the explanation in the first one. Then we have, uh, I, I think it was basically Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla two. Uh, Revenge of Mechagodzilla, Terror of Mechagodzilla, depends what you want to call it. Um, and this is another alien race rebuilds Mechagodzilla to... A different set of aliens. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla... Yeah, I, I gave Mechagodzilla 4 out of 10. Again, we're not... we're not. It's not good. Uh, and then Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla 2, 3 out of 10. That film came out in 1975, and then Godzilla kind of died a death as a franchise i think they'd milked it too hard the films had become too shit people were sick of it they had just been pumping out almost one a year um and it went away for the better part of a decade until uh the next film that we have watched godzilla 1985 the return of godzilla which came out in 1984 despite the name um there's two versions of this film mm. one of which is called the return of godzilla japanese version and then godzilla 1985 is the american release of it with some extra american elements yeah as far as i could tell um interesting so this was the start of something that godzilla's done a lot and i think it's going to become increasingly commonplace in in western media the way the way hollywood's behaving lately um they pretty much said that's the Godzilla series done. It finished. We're going to start it again. So this is mm-hmm. a new. This is a sequel to Godzilla, the original film that ignores every on. other sequel ever made. 
this is set in a world where none of those other films happened, just the first one, which is something they've started doing here with like Halloween last year and things like that. But mm-hmm. it seems like a very odd concept to to wipe the slate clean, except for one. <laughs> uh, it's because origin stories are boring. Like all of those Marvel films, it's just like okay, we got to sit through another origin story before we see an adventure, you know. So if you get the origin story done and dusted, I oh, just see previous, and then we can actually tell a story with this character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, the first time I watched this, I saw the Japanese version of the film, the the proper one. But for the rewatch that we did, I watched the American version. Uh, did you guys watch the American one? I think I watched the Japanese version. It was certainly all you know. There was no English spoken. Uh, I watched both. Uh, again but this this as opposed to the original godzilla this is much more let's sh- spend a day shooting a few little scenes and we can just insert them in and that's basically it okay so let's talk about the japanese version first yeah um i, I think it was poised as a real modernization slash back to basics take on godzilla it was let's get back yeah. to what that original film was but we'll bring the series up to date it's the 80s now what we were doing in the 70s was still very much holdover from what we were doing in the 60s. This was definitely a taking it seriously again. Yeah. It's taking it seriously and it's applying the same template, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. You know, you start on a ship and then there's only one survivor and then there's mm-hmm. you, you kind of get the politicians versus the boffin who's got this great idea. And, you know, it's the, the politicians think, oh, we'll kill it. That doesn't work. We have to rescue the boffin and he can do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's exactly the same template, isn't it? Yep. And yeah, I mean to to be honest, I I think this is one of the better Godzilla films. I think it really as a as a series of um just kind of actiony monster smashing up shit set pieces, it it kind of does the trick. Um again, the, the effects aren't particularly good, but by the standard Yeah, of- this is the thing. Like in 1984, you kind of think eh. Should be a bit better this the effect. Well, this you know? this is interesting because you said this is one of the better ones. I thought it was crap, but I think uh, my general problem with all these Godzilla films so far has been that my least favorite thing about these films is Godzilla. Mm. Yeah, because seeing a thing just smashing up models of buildings is I, I'm not interested in it at all. Yeah, I think you are. Well, I'm interested in it being done well. And in, in an interesting capacity, but I, I mean, yeah, none of these films really offer that. To be perfectly frank, yeah. um, but this so that's this one didn't work for me. But there's there's elements in this film that I liked, but it was all just it it was so boring. I mean, basically, I, to, <sighs> I I've given this a six on IMDb, which is why I think I must have quite liked the Japanese cut of it when I first watched <laughs> it. It might have just been because I was working my way through the entire series and after however many films I've just rattled off, it was such a breath of fresh air to have this sort of <laughs> serious approach and, and it might have just been where it came having watched all those other shitty films. Because when I watched it last night and I did watch the American cut, I did not enjoy it at all. Um, but I don't know if that's because it's very different or if it's just because, mm. like I say... Well, that I think... I think you should probably go back and watch it because I preferred the American cut. Oh, really? Just to to briefly summarize it, it's the stuff they add in as the American stuff is completely pointless and worthless. But what they also do is cut about 15 minutes out of it. And that just makes the whole thing a little bit uh-huh. easier. Uh, and it, it's not a big improvement, but it's just 
the story still doesn't make a lot of sense. But well, I think that's... I think this struck a bit of a chord with me because I'm I'm ten years older than you two. You're Cold and, War baby. You know, yeah. So, the, so the, <laughs> the metaphor here is not the atom bomb; it's the Cold War. And and yeah. you know, well, I I was I was nine in 1984, and even though I was only nine, I was terrified of nuclear war. <laughs> you know, that was that was a that was used to occupy a lot more of my brain than was probably healthy. Yeah. And so, so this, you know, I, I, I got that, I, I got that fear and, and I, I was emotionally engaged with it, even though I, I totally acknowledge everything you said, it was a bit boring, but it had me hooked on that. And, and I think mm-hmm. that I rated it a little higher because of that. Interesting. Let's start with Godzilla. It seems not to be a man in a suit, but some sort of animatronic. Am I right? It looked like it. Um, I think, no, I, I believe it's a man in a suit, but they've they've just advanced the technology of the suit so i think there's some animatronic like touches on the suit yeah, i think all the like, facial all the facial expressions were were animatronic yeah, yeah. And, you know there was it, it had it had lots of little motors inside it you know but but it's still basically a bloke in a rubber suit yeah so uh, so basically what this is saying is that even though technology can move forward it doesn't mean it mean it's going to look any better <laughs> uh, in fact it's going to look much worse <laughs> i thought the godzilla in this was just Awful. Yeah, it does look crap. I mean, but he, I was I was comparing it to I was comparing it to the nineteen mid nineteen seventies version of King Kong. I was trying to like make that comparison. Well, and it, it falls down on that even. Yeah, but you know that that is Hollywood budgets are very different to Japanese budgets. Um, yeah. They they stick with this rubber suit way of doing things for a long time, and and you know it does. One of the films I kind of wanted us to watch is is the 2004 Godzilla film, and and it, it partly is because it's weird because they kind of have advanced the technology so much by that point that it kind of does look good. <laughs> I don't know, it's weird, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's not great here. It's awful. I mean, it's not even a good design of of the Godzilla. Its eyes are weird, and yeah, it's got funny eyes. It was very distracting. Yeah. And it doesn't have any life. It doesn't have any character. Okay, so then basically the film starts with a, a ship gets attacked, and it kind of implies it was attacked by Godzilla, but it's not. Godzilla comes around near it, but then all the people get killed by a giant sea louse, which is apparently a thing, which again is badly done, and Very it's a man done. holding a fake sea louse and moving around a lot and going ah, um, uh, yeah. So I thought that I thought that was an opening scene was. Um, you know, you only get one chance to make a first impression. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, oh, this is going to be a long couple of hours. But then, but then, all the stuff later is on about like, oh, Godzilla's a danger. But Godzilla didn't do anything, and he he couldn't have killed those people. Which means the sea louse must have done them all in. Which, bear in mind, one of them killed it just by smashing it with a knife. Uh, yeah, like, these, these these sailors are all there with guns and knives, and they all get killed. But but the photojournalist goes on and just kicks it in the head, and it's done. <laughs> so yeah, straight away, um, yeah, this, none of this is going to make any sense, is it? And and that kind of just carries on, really. Not as long as you kind of have no sense of reality, uh, then it works, I suppose. I mean, everyone. I like the idea that, that it was all. This is all kicked off by a, a volcano erupting because that's another. That's another. That must always be in the subconscious of the Japanese people. You know, there's always volcanoes bloody everywhere, isn't there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but then they they use it at the end. They use it as a yeah to save them. Everyone hates Godzilla. That's one thing I noticed in this film. Yeah, he's back to being. He's back to being the villain. 
Well, yeah, because the only experience they've had of him is the first film yeah. where he just, you know, yeah. bust everything up. But no, it's more than that. It's more personal. They seem to take it really personally and like, oh, he killed all my friends on the ship. No, it was a sea louse. It wasn't even, it wasn't even him. Uh, and even so, it's like it's like being angry, you know, at a wild animal. It doesn't, yeah, doesn't really make any sense. People, do you not know how many stingrays got attacked after Steve Irwin got killed? No, I don't. Well, sadly, it was quite a few. <laughs> Oh god. So uh, a big thing that Godzilla does now is he loves yummy delicious nuclear material. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or just radioactivity in some way <laughs> and searches for it. So, you know, he goes to a submarine. nuclear submarine and eats that, goes to a nuclear power plant and pulls out a big metal thing which is apparently how nuclear power plants work and eats that. Or sucks it out or something. I'm not sure exactly. Nuclear power plants do have a core, which is held in a metal thing. That is that's all right. Can you suck the nuclear stuff out of it? Like, <laughs> well, I, I, this this is a problem I had a couple of times. You know, Godzilla absorbs radiation. Yeah. I don't think that's how radiation works, is it? It sort of <laughs> radiates. <laughs> <laughs> that's when we go into the political element of it. That we get introduced to the Japanese prime mm. minister who is debating with a representative of the US and the USSR. Who both, These are my favourite scenes. They both, both the US and USSR have kindly uh, offered to nuclear bomb Godzilla for them. For some reason, they're not that keen on that idea. They are Japanese. Uh, so yeah, let's talk about those guys, because I mean that the, the US ambassador guy particularly was really, really acting. Um, so where's the where do they find if you're making a film in Japan in 1984? Where do you find an, an an actor to play an American? Because I don't think that was an American actor. I think it <laughs> might have been an American, but it might have been just a bloke who worked in Subway. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. He's obviously he just lives over there working. But there's also several, quite a lot of Russian characters, or you know, characters that have yeah. to speak Russian. Some of them definitely don't sound like they know Russian. No, exactly. Uh, and yeah, I don't I know Russian, well. so it has to be pretty I think obvious. they might have been American as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the one with the, the, the Russian ambassador, they would sort of made him look like Trotsky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's sort of wispy hair on his face. Yeah, it was, it was like a bad fancy dress of Trotsky. <laughs> They're both very aggressive, really, in their, in their own way. So what is this all about? What... I mean, obviously, it's the Cold War analogy, but well, it's Japan stuck in the middle, isn't it? Japan were Japan are literally on the on the the front line of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, the Japanese Prime Minister says no; he won't allow them to use nuclear weapons. They're a bit pissed off about that. And then, someone who works on a Russian ship that has nuclear launch capabilities, like at first, he goes and deactivates it, but then Godzilla comes and knocks the ship over, and so he goes back in. What is he doing? Why does he? No, go I think back in? I think he was tr- he'd activated the weapon and he was going to deactivate it when right. when Godzilla fucked shit up. Okay, uh, yeah. They, so they're giving like tranquilizer pills to Godzilla just so he falls asleep for ten minutes so we can deal with this nuclear thing and then move on with the rest of the plot. You've got you've got our main sort of heroes that we've been following trapped in a building. There's a ten minute scene of them trying to open a, a door, um, which is very riveting. And yeah. then, and then the brother, the brother guy who was on the fishing boat, who was an engineering student and part-time fisherman, he's now working for helicopter-based rescue services, and yeah. he comes and 
gets them out of the building. Although he could get them out of the building, but instead just rescues the one guy and then goes off himself so that we can have that couple trapped in the building still and all that. It's so shit. <laughs> it's so shit. There's so much elements going on that are crap. There's a like a sort of homeless guy. The drunk junkie guy, yeah. What the hell's that about? <laughs> Which I, I, I didn't have a problem with his character particularly. A bit of comic relief. Yeah, fine. it was an injection of personality in the yeah. film, I thought. Although the way he, this little scene where he's running away from Godzilla and then falls over was pretty poor. So, oh, you, uh, yeah. Alan, it was he fell over. <laughs> oh, is that slapstick? It's good, isn't it? He fell over. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if Godzilla just tripped up. <laughs> That's, that, does, that happens, doesn't it? Isn't that happening, Mothra? Does it? <laughs> I know he's, he's he's been felled a few times, but I mean, if he just like. Right, imagine if Godzilla didn't trip over, but he, like, stubbed his... You know, you kind of nearly go, but you kind of go, ah, and, like, catch your foot. And then you sort of... You have to stagger forward really yeah, quickly. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, but just... then you have to kind of act like you're meant to do it. Stagger out. And he knows everyone's watching him. Here's another thing. Is, is, is this a tradition now? Is this a sort of fondly held tradition that Godzilla's relative size just sort of changes constantly from shot to shot? Oh, yeah, that that's... Um... A well-established thing at this point, I think. <laughs> I mean, it's it's obviously not intentional. It's just bad filmmaking, but it's yeah, it, it's that's not new. It is particularly bad in this film. There's, I remember a shot where the guy falls down at Godzilla's feet, and Godzilla's quite near the start. This, uh, and Godzilla's, you know, maybe as tall as as a house from the side, <laughs> judging from the size of his foot, and then you cut to the long shot from really far away and he's looming over the horizon and everyone's running away mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, he's just grown significantly from shot to shot there. That's, uh... So Gareth, you seem like you like this film, so is there anything else you'd like to point out that... Well, let, let's not get carried about? away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's that one. I did watch the Americanized version as well, which I think you did, Sol. Yeah, for the rewatch, yeah. yeah. I don't remember yeah. enough about the original version to really do a good comparison so it'd be interesting to hear you explain what was changed because i i i like i say i should we should we rate the japanese one then talk about the american one sure yeah. if we, we might have diff- well I, I yeah so i mean like i say i gave it a six out of ten i remember quite enjoying the japanese cut in a kind of nonsense godzilla way just too many elements that were total nonsense quite slow and boring uh, too many threads going on at once, none of which really go anywhere. So I gave it a three. Mm, fair enough. Well, I've given it a five, and, and I think that's probably a bit generous, to be honest. Um, <laughs> as I say, I, I, I kind of, you know, I, I had a, I had that nervous anxiety watching it, which mm. is more about my my life than uh, than the film itself. Yeah. But um, but but yeah, I mean, it was pretty terrible, yeah. wasn't it? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I watched the the American one last night, and I, I really didn't care for it. Um, and I don't know how much of that's just I actually don't like this film as much as I remember or what, but yeah, uh, what what differences were made to me? It just felt like loads of awkward scenes of American actors were cut in in between the. Wasn't wasn't it badly filmed though? All those yeah, like Gareth, for your benefit, there's basically the additions are it's like a you know an underground bunker somewhere um, mm. with some American military types who are not specified what they are and some like some kind of uh, machines with flashing lights on them that look like computers or something it's basically just a bare room with a few seats in it 
So they are commenting and occasionally watching on screen what's happening. They get a phone call right. from from the uh, somewhere in Japan, and they go, "Oh yeah, this is happening." But then they introduce Raymond Burr as the same uh-huh. character who's called Steve Martin, by the way, <laughs> uh, as, <laughs> as the same character from the 1956 Americanization. So they go, they go to him, and he's hanging out with his grandson. Because uh, he's like Perry Mason, Raymond Burr now, and they yeah. and they go to him and say, "Look, you're the only one with any experience of this, apart from everyone in Japan. So we need your help." <laughs> and he goes to this underground bunker, and they go, "Thank God you're here, Steve Martin. You're the only American who's ever lived through this. We need your help." And then he, he whacks out his little banjo, and he he just like he will not stop <laughs> playing the banjo. He thinks people want to hear him play the banjo, but actually <laughs> they're not interested. That's not why they like him. <laughs> Uh, and then so then he just sits there and does nothing but they're all like trying to sort stuff out and he's like that's not gonna work and then it doesn't work and he's like see i told you says it's godzilla you can't kill him it's best just to leave him be but then so all this stuff is just spliced in it's it's badly filmed Uh, basically they obviously shot all raymond burr's stuff in about 45 minutes that's like all the time he could give them so there's there was one scene where he's introduced to the to the room. It's the first time he interacts with all the other people, but he doesn't interact with them. And it was just this sh- sort of weird shot of him against a blank wall. And I was like, "Oh right, so they obviously didn't have him on the same day as these other actors or stuff. They they're going to have to film all this stuff as separate things." And then one of the other actors walks over to him and they have a chat. I was like, "Okay, so they had that one actor there." And then like 20 minutes later there's another scene uh, and he's like again like off camera from everyone else and he's like awkwardly talking to them and then it cuts to them and it's like obviously they weren't there at the same time and then the next scene comes along is a wide shot he's in that room with everyone with all the equipment and the other people the other actors so it's like well if you had him there why did you shoot it so the other stuff so terribly because even if you were shooting this stuff separately and had to just edit it together it's still badly filmed like the framing is bad it's just it's awful i don't know what they were doing it's i mean it, I mean, it, it looks like a crap 80s TV thing, but even so, it's like... Um, well, based on my viewing last night, I would give the American Cut a 3 out of 10. Yeah, I I gave it a 4, which is like one better than the Japanese version, just because it was shorter, and that is of great benefit. Well, what, uh, well, this one, Godzilla in eight, Return of Godzilla in 1984, was were there sequels to this film? Yes. As in, was there its continuation? Yeah, so this was... So the previous run of films before this were known as the Showa. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. The Showa period. Wasn't that the the Emperor? Yes. The Showa period is the is like that period of Japanese history where the Emperor, well, Hirohito was alive. Yes. Okay. So so that that's pretty grand to name your <laughs> series of films after you know a historical era. <laughs> Well, then, so this is the, the Heisei period, if I'm saying that correctly, of Godzilla films. Began with the return of Godzilla and right. ran with... There, so there were a total of six sequels made to this, seven in this... The, well, eight if you include the original Godzilla that this was a sequel to. Um, so the first sequel was called Godzilla vs. Biorante, or Biolante, depending on which Americanization you go with. Um, and that is essentially Godzilla fighting a mutated rosebush, which I was... Shut off! <laughs> 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 I, 
I mean, we've had some, we've had some crazy animals, but <laughs> vegetation. <laughs> well, uh, I was really excited to get to this one because I was like, oh, a plant monster. That's something new. Haven't seen that before. Uh, it's not done well. Four out of ten. Sadly, it's bad. And and off the back of that, they um they obviously agreed it wasn't done very well, and they just started remaking the classics. So the next one up was Godzilla versus King Ghidorah again. And it is just a, an 80s version of that, 5 out of 10. Then they did Godzilla vs. Mothra in 1992. And it, it's that, but 1992. <laughs> Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, 1993, uh, 4 out of 10. And then they made, in 1994, Godzilla vs. Super Godzilla, or sometimes known as Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla. <laughs> and uh, this is... So the UN builds a kind of Mechagodzilla robot to keep Godzilla in check, but um, Godzilla's particles in space uh, somehow... I think that must be related to a previous film... Particles of him in space somehow birth a new Godzilla from outer space <laughs> who comes to Earth to attack everyone. And he's he's basically like a... Um, have you ever heard the word tonk? No. <laughs> I think it's a London thing. My, my ex used to use it and I thought it was no. fucking weird and stupid word. But, but Space Godzilla, if you Google him, I mean, that is what tonk is. Hench. What does it, what does it mean? It means built like a... a brick house a shit brick house okay i've never heard that he, he is he's a beefy biffer is what he is he's godzilla with some big massive spiky shoulders basically <laughs> and then we had so there's still more to go uh one last film in the series godzilla versus destroyer um which is the aftermath of the oxygen destroyer from makes a return in the previous film oh, yeah. ah. but that somehow brings forth I think you're pronouncing that incorrectly, <laughs> so I'll have another go. Go on. Oxygen the Destroyer. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, <laughs> Space Godzilla, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned, but I give that one a 3 out of 10. Piss poor. And then, uh, yeah, Godzilla versus Destroyer. Is that right? That's good. Yeah, uh, I gave that a 6 out of 10, so I must have quite liked it as a finale to the whole thing. Uh, Destroyer is just like a big massive monster he's much bigger than than godzilla it really is the kind of like oh shit look how ridiculous this thing is um and i i believe if i remember correctly destroyer is born from nuclear radiation and therefore he's like highly unstable and he's gonna they're worried he's gonna kind of have a meltdown at some point and just blow up so there's a kind of ticking time bomb element to the whole thing as well uh, I, I just want to talk about the, the rogues gallery again, because I've kind of glossed over some of these, but I love Godzilla and his monsters, but I mean, how how much do you know about his mates? Did you ever play Godzilla Destroy All Monsters Melee on the GameCube? Was that just me? <laughs> no, I'm too old for that. <laughs> I don't know I don't know which one of us that's a more ridiculous question for. <laughs> <laughs> um so there's Angiris, who's one of the more iconic ones. Do you 
do you know who I mean when I refer to this no. guy? He, he just looks like a dinosaur. He's got like spikes on his back. He's on all fours. No, don't know that one. That's one of the more iconic Godzilla bad guys. Um, Rodan, you know who Rodan is, right? He's like a a bat thing, but lizard. pterodactyl looking thing. Yeah, pterodactyl. Yeah. Yes, I know that one. Yeah, yeah Mothra, you know. King Ghidorah, you know. Abira's that lobster one I mentioned. Yeah, well, I didn't know him, and I googled him while you were talking, and I like that one. He's he's an interesting design, yeah. Kamakarus is the um, the praying mantis one. There, there's one I didn't mention before from Son of Godzilla called Kumonga, who is just a giant spider with spindly legs. He's horrible. He's just a big spider. Gross. <laughs> Smash him up, Godzilla. Uh, there's Baragon who was one of these characters from another film that they pulled in later down the line, and he's this, like, really shit. He looks like that thing from, uh, the face of that thing from The NeverEnding Story with, like, a horn, but then if you, like, <laughs> shaved it, oh, so he didn't have any fur. No, it feels like they're maybe scraping the barrel a little here. <laughs> yeah. Well, can, can I just get you to, so there's one from, uh, first appeared in King Kong Escapes, but has appeared in Godzilla films called Gorosaurus, who is, like, you imagine, like, an off-brand Aldi... Oh, yeah, he's great. An off-brand Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's a good description. <laughs> he just looks like a dinosaur. Yeah. A crap yeah. dinosaur. Uh, there's Manda, who's like an eel thing. Varan, who's like a flying squirrel thing. Uh, another one I'd like you to, to Google, Gabara, G-A-B-A-R-A. It just looks fucking hilarious, this thing. His neck's too long. He's like Bear in the Big Blue House. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that ju- I mean, that just looks like a bloke in a suit, doesn't it? Pretty yeah. tonk, though. That doesn't look scary at all. Yeah. Uh, the smog monster I've talked about, who I like, he he, he takes a kind of human it, humanoid form at one point to have a fight with Godzilla, and it is just like a big blob thing. It's great. Uh, Gigan is a really quite iconic one. He's got, like, blades for hands and laser eyes. Yeah. Megalon's got, like, drill arms. I don't know if I mentioned I enjoyed that Jet Jaguar. Earlier. Yeah. He was a good one. Now I want to mention one of these, uh, one of these ones from Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. One of my favourites, uh, King Caesar. He's called. Now this is a really interesting one because it, it, it it's like this big furry lion-looking thing, um, <laughs> and he he kind of it draws upon this weird like Japanese folklore. He's played like an ancient Japanese spirit or something, which is very different to. The usual lizardy monsters. Yeah, his face looks like um, when you see those uh, samurai masks. Yeah, yeah. He, he's um, he's an interesting one. Uh, and and then there's a load of other shitty things. Titanosaurus, Biolante, the the thing I just mentioned, the, all the, the mechas. Plant. It goes on and on. But that was the end of the high side period. Like I say, then in 1999, they launched the Millennium period of Godzilla films. And this ran for six films, which I'll I'll briefly cover now, and then we're poised to uh, jump into the American ones in the next episode to launch that. Godzilla Millennium in 1999, which again was just a big reboot, same exact thing, you kind of pick up from um, the first film being canon and ignoring everything else. Mm. Um, a, a flying saucer appears with a monster called Augur in it. Or it turns into the monster and Godzilla turns up to save the day. Um, I can't quite remember how these films worked, but I seem to remember it being something like they're all standalone at a certain point. Like some of them are sequels to the previous ones, but some of them just keep going back to 
Godzilla is the only one that's existed. I gave it a 5 out of 10. Then they did Godzilla versus Megaguirus, uh, which I gave a 6 out of 10. It's just another Godzilla fighting nonsense film. Nothing particularly remarkable about it. Then Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah, giant monsters all out attack, which um, is regarded as one of the very best, actually. It's got 7.2 on IMDb, but, I mean, again, I just thought it was par for the course, 5 out of 10. Then they remade Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla again. I gave this one a 6 out of 10. So it it certainly seems like I enjoyed these Millennium films a bit more. I I guess Mm. the special effects were just a bit more on point. What I was saying about them kind of... The technology improving, I think, really was noticeable at this point. The the suits had a bit of, you know, these animatronic touches and it, it just came together. One thing that is quite noticeable in this period is how anime-esque it all became. All the mm. human characters are, are just sort of, you know, these young anime types who are part of the Godzilla squadron. And, you know, it's, <laughs> it's not it, any sense of reality kind of goes out the window. Right. Uh, then we got Godzilla SOS in 2003. Um, which was just another big fight between Godzilla and Mechagodzilla, and Mothra, I think, got involved in that. I gave that 5 out of 10. And then the finale of the entire Godzilla franchise for a while was Godzilla Final Wars, and that came out in 2004 and was poised as this is the last ever Godzilla film. It's the 50th anniversary of Godzilla, and this film is Godzilla Travels Around the World, fighting every monster he has ever battled ever in the (laughs) entire franchise, including the monster from the American 1998 remake that we're going to be talking about (laughs) next week, which they were very upset with, and and they they included to basically say, that's not the real Godzilla this is, and we're going to beat the shit out of him now. Um, (laughs) So it's it's very light on plot, as you might imagine. Full of fan service, if only the franchise was a bit better and that was enough to kind of keep it going. I gave it a 4 out of 10. It's just, it's just, it's all just a bit shit. But that was the end of Godzilla, really, until very recently. We'll, we'll, and we will, we will talk about them reviving it again next week, mm. but uh, along with some American offshoots that are yeah. their own continuity. So yeah, Godzilla. It's a um, great first film. <laughs> Uh, a lot of sequels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's a it's a weird, insane franchise, and it, like I say, it's Toho, the company that make it. It's their bread and butter. It's what they've been living off really for fifty, sixty, seventy years at this point. And you know, they do other things. They're they're one of the biggest film companies in in Japan. We'll be we'll be jumping back in next week with the first American remake, the Matthew Broderick one, uh, which was made in ninety eight, was it? Uh, nineteen ninety eight, like yes, yeah. yes, that is correct. Um, so that's where we'll be jumping in next week. Yeah, that's I'm really looking forward to rewatching that. Actually, yeah, I, yeah, I, me too. That's one I have a lot of childhood nostalgia for. I went to see in the cinema. Mm. Um, I watched the cartoon series that tied in with it as a child. That's that's where I know Godzilla from. Okay. So. Will it hold up? Will it hold up, Alan? Do you think it's going to be good? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's we'll going to be as good as it ever was. I'm not going. To, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but I've already watched it, and no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I loved it as a kid. <laughs> Matthew Broderick, Jean Reno, and Hank Azaria. 
Yeah. It's like <laughs> half the cast of The Simpsons in that film. Re- oh, Harry Shearer's in it, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, join us. <laughs> Ding dong. Oh, it's Godzilla. <laughs> Just pretend we're not in. We'll, we'll, we'll hold him off till next week. Yeah.